So I'm actually going to let you um, introduce the podcast because uh, of what happened on TalkSport um, and Jamie O'Hara called you the host. So going off the back of that, you're going to be the host just for the start bit. Um, so when you're ready, go. Shut up. No, I'm not doing that. You are. Well, you are. I'm not. If you're no. going to represent Villa on tour on them talks, what you're going to do? Shut up, man! I don't do that. I don't do that. <laughs> okay, all right, then I'll do. It. I'll do. It. Hello and welcome back to another Villa on Tour podcast. I'm your host, Max Stokes, as ever, joined by Simon Lyons. Simon, how are you, mate? You all good? Yeah, not too bad, thank you. Yeah, last time we spoke was uh, before the Chelsea and Man United games. And we were sort of bigging them up, saying how important they both were for different reasons. And uh, since then, a lot's happened in a week. Now out the FA Cup and uh, a typical Villa performance against Man United. Not ideal. Yeah, it wasn't the ideal week at all, was it really? And we've had, uh, it feels like so, so much has happened between the last time between the last time we, we, we sort of spoke on here and so yeah it's been a, a disappointing week really I'm sure we'll get into it but yeah it's been it's been quite disappointing yeah coming up in the show we'll talk about that Manchester United game Villa's ever-growing injury list and we're going to look a little bit deeper in terms of what the rest of the season might hold for Aston Villa just a couple of admin bits then if you do want to enjoy the show please do leave us some nice reviews subscribe to whatever you're listening on all that good stuff that sort of helps us out that is very much appreciated as always so Villa out the FA Cup then mate We'll talk about that game really, really briefly, sort of the, the wider context of Villa being out of all domestic uh, trophies now. It's not ideal, is it? I just just kind of felt like we weren't up for it. And I know we didn't rotate loads because we, we really couldn't, but it's, it's not a great look, is it? We, we just weren't up for it. No, it was uh, it was very disappointing. I don't know if there's much to say about the game, really. I just think that Chelsea were a lot better than us on the night. Um, Villa had far too many players playing a you know, four or five out of ten sort of thing, rather than a seven, eight out of ten, uh, which is what we'd, we'd need to usually get through. And um, yeah, it, look, it was it was always going to be a tough tie to have Chelsea anyway. It wasn't the easiest tie to have, but um, but yeah, it was um, it was disappointing. It was a bit flat, really, wasn't it? And um, I think throughout a ninety minute game in the replay, we only turned up for what. 10, 15 minutes of it. There were 10 minutes at the beginning and sort of five minutes at the end, which which wasn't good enough. And so we we, we, we thoroughly deserved to, to lose on the night, really. So, yeah, but disappointing. Another year goes by without Villa. Um, without Villa winning the FA Cup, so feels like it's uh, feels like it's gonna be one of these things that goes on for absolutely ever, doesn't it? Yeah, we're sort of used to it now, aren't we? We're used to sort of, well, I say throwing away the cups, but it was it was just so frustrating. It just looked like you could tell, couldn't you, the difference between the sort of Chelsea game and the Man United game. Obviously, we ended up losing both of them, but just in terms of the intensity, how fast we moved the ball, and just you can just tell we're not taking it seriously, which was it was just frustrating because like you said, every year you say it's our year and so many Vela fans, it's the only cup we haven't, they haven't seen us win and it's just, it's annoying, isn't it? And, and we were talking in the pub before the Man United game because we're out the FA Cup now. It kind of feels like we have to win the Conference League. It feels like if, if we go towards the end of this season now and the season ends and we struggle to get Champions League and we don't win anything, I think, I think that's a serious disappointment. Well, overall, from where we've been, I suppose if that if that was going to be the conclusion of the season, I think I think from where we've been, I suppose it would be a, a disappointment. I, I'd still say though, at the beginning of the season, yeah, we'd like we'd, we'd say we'd like to have a cup run, and we'd like obviously we want to bring silverware back to Villa Park, but it's not a given though, is it? And and, and so it's, while it's disappointing, I don't 
you know, I don't think it'll be, you know, it's not like, it's not like everyone expects us to win, you know, definitely win a trophy. You know, you've only got, what, what have you, you've only got sort of like three or four opportunities to do that in a season. So, and you're up against so many other teams. So it's not a given, is it? But I know what you're trying to say, though. I think from the position we've been in, you know, you, you, you would be disappointed because it's another year that goes by sort of thing, really. And like I say, we haven't won a, a trophy since 1996, as uh, as our neighbours from down the road like to remind us of. So it's it's, it's not a given to win to win competitions. And as, as, as we'd absolutely love it to be, I don't think it is. And so, um, yeah, like, like I say, we'll see how we get on. In the conference league towards the end of the season, we've still got that going for us, and we've still got obviously things to play for um, in, in in the Premier League as well. So, yeah, we'll we'll see what happens. But I, I was disappointed by the FA Cup, and and purely because I thought it was a it, it was a good opportunity for us, which we mm. which we kind of spurned by not turning up. Essentially, I think it's just our expectations change, don't they, throughout the season? Like you said at the start of the season, everybody would have probably taken top six and a decent cup run in whatever cup it would have been. But I just think as you go through the season and you're sort of, you know, you're looking decent in fourth and then you've got Tottenham coming up behind you. And then, you know, you sort of see that FA Cup run, which looks semi-decent. You know, Chelsea have got Leeds at home now for a chance in the quarterfinal. And we've said it a million times before the Chelsea game that, you know, this is a real chance here. And it's just frustrating that we sort of, it looks like we didn't take it as seriously as, as we potentially could have been. So I think now you, you've got to be looking at the Conference League and, and thinking you've got to go and win that. I think Emery's comments before the FA Cup game were quite interesting in terms of him saying the priority is always going to be the Premier League. And of course, I agree with him on that. But saying you have to be consistent over 38 games and whether you go out in the third round of the FA Cup or the semi-final, ultimately you don't win a cup and that's right. But I think he was, his comments were interesting and sort of telling before that Chelsea game. And you could probably predict that we probably weren't going to take it as seriously as we probably could have done. Yeah, potentially. I, I think I think managers have always got a... I think they've got a tough job to juggle these competitions, though, because obviously fans you know, want you to be as sort of strong as possible. But then when you are juggling all these games, I think I, I do think it's kind of difficult. And I get it. I, I, get, I get it from both perspectives. From the fans' perspective, we want to win obviously trophies and so with the manager and the players but he's right in what he's saying though your bread and butter is the Premier League though in terms of in terms of where, what you're going to be doing next season you know in playing in Europe etc again the best way to do that is obviously over, over being consistent over a 38 sort of game Premier League season and so I get what he's saying I, I do understand what he's saying um, but obviously for us as supporters it's you know it's disappointing and you know I, I don't know if I'd say we didn't take it seriously even you know I think we I think in terms of our you know, when you say that, it, it makes it sound like we didn't, you know, we didn't we didn't play our first first choice team, which we obviously did. But I just I just thought we didn't turn up. I just thought Chelsea were just the better team on the night, if I'm being honest. And I, you know, we, we we went sort of two down very quickly, didn't we? And when you do that, it's it's just difficult to get back into it. And I, it was one of them nights. I think if it was a you know, if it was probably against like a Stevenage, like it was last season, or someone like that, maybe I'd feel a little bit more disappointed. And I am disappointed, but it's just the fact that. We got beat by another Premier League side who have got who have spent an absolute fortune, by the way, and have got a decent side. Yes, they've been inconsistent this season, but I'd hope that Villa can now juggle the two. We haven't got the FA Cup to concentrate on now. Um, I'm hoping that Villa can now juggle the two, the Premier League and the Conference League. Well, how seriously would you take this Conference League then? Because we what a week on Friday is the draw. The the time that Villa go into it is, I think it's the seventh of March, isn't it? The seventh of March is the first away leg um, in the round of sixteen. I'd I'd love to take it seriously, and it's especially for us as fans who have been to all the Conference League games so far, both home and away. 
I think winning this competition now would mean everything. Like you said, ultimately the aim is is to to maintain our, our decent overall form in the Premier League and go and get at least top five and go and get Champions League. But I think speaking as sort of selfish fans, I think going to go and win the Conference League would be absolutely incredible, especially as as we go home and away and, and go to these incredible games and incredible trips. Yeah, it would. It would. It would. And it's um, you know, it's 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 definitely you know, I still think the I still think the utmost aim for Villa is to still finish in the. In, in in the top in the top four top five I do think that but uh, conference league is not far down far far down the list it's still really important for us and as you say for us who go home and away yeah it would be an absolute absolute joy it would be the best moment I've had following Villa if we if we if if we could do it but I think talk, in terms of talking about you know how seriously would you take it I don't I don't I don't know how how I don't think we're going to be taking it any any more or any less serious than what we already have been. I think we've we've showed the competition already respect. To be fair, we've just ro- we've rotated the squad a little bit. But if you look at Villa's squad, I mean, all the most players in the, in the squad have contributed this season. So it's not like we're going to bring a, a fresh batch of players, you know, youth players and who've never played in the competition before. I think you'll I think you'll see a strong lineup because we haven't got a huge squad. So we we. You know, any any side we put out is going to be strong in the Conference League, and it just depends on again. It just depends on if we turn up and play and, and play and play how we know we can, because there are still some good teams in it. I think the Conference League this season is probably a bit stronger than it was last season when West Ham won it. If if I'm being honest, I think there's better teams in it, so it won't be easy. It won't be easy, but I still think whatever side Villa field, it's not going to be a shock to anybody. These players have already played for us in all in all of the competitions this season. Um, and so, yeah, I think I think we will take it seriously. Um, I don't think it'll be any any anything majorly different to what it was in the group stage. It's just maybe a little bit more of a maybe a bit more of, a, of an emphasis on the game. Maybe it'll be it won't be as slow as it as it might you know as it, as it kind of was in the group stages. But yeah, I think we'll take it seriously. I think he, I think we've got another couple of gears to go up in the Conference League. I think you alluded to it there in terms of how slow. And we, I think it was a case of just getting through the games, wasn't it? And I think it's going to be a different vibe when we do get into the straight-up knockout rounds because it's going to be over two legs rather than sort of trudging your way through a, a group phase where you ultimately know you're going to get there. I know there was a little bit of a hairy period at the start because we did stumble, obviously, in our first game in, in leg year and, and things like that. But I think when it's going to be knockout football, potentially against better opponents who are probably going to open up a little bit more and come at you rather than, for example, Mostar are going to come to Villa Park and fair play, they did a good job on us. Obviously, they they conceded at the end, but you're not going to get that game potentially where teams come and sit back. You might do at Villa Park, but I think when we go away to whoever it might be, I think sides will open up and hopefully you might get some slightly better games because I think in the group phase, it was, like you said, slow at times. Yeah, it will. And that's knockout football for you. Knockout football is always uh, faster. It's always more exciting. And I think you see that in all of the European competitions. Um, I think you see that even in like the World Cup and the European Championships, for instance, yeah. to be fair. But I'm excited for it. This is where we want to be. We don't want to be seeing it as a second-rate competition. We don't want to be seeing it as no. a burden on us. You know, this is... Remember the joy around Villa Park when we finished seventh last season at home against Brighton? You know, everyone was absolutely delighted to be getting into this competition. They saw it as real progress, and, and, it, and, it, and it is. And I've really, really enjoyed the Conference League, personally. So I don't want to be seeing this as, oh, God, we're going into the final... Uh, two and a half, three months of the season, and it's a bit of a, you know, it's it's a bit of a burden on the on on our backs. So I want to see this as real a real opportunity, and um, you know, and we've still got okay, we've got injuries, but we've had we've got some coming back, and some have come back recently, and so I don't look at our squad and think, oh, we can't we can't cope with this at all. We can't. I I, I don't mm. I don't agree with that because the other thing is, you know, even if we didn't have Conference League this season, say if we finished 
fourth or fifth and did get into the Champions League, then we'd have we we have to we'll have to cope with this kind of thing in the future anyway. I think as as fans, we've had some of the the best experiences as Villa fans already, and that's been in the group phase. So I think I understand it's going to be completely different for fans who watch these games on TV and, and things like that. But I think for us, it, it's going to be amazing. And we were just before we came on, we were looking at sort of the potential teams that we could get. Obviously the um, the knockout rounds just before the one that Villa go into are coming up next week, aren't they? They're obviously over two legs. We were looking at the sides that we could potentially get. There's some big sides in there. You're looking at Ajax, obviously Leggy Warsaw are in there. We can't get them, luckily. That would be interesting if we did. Uh, Eintracht Frankfurt, Olympiakos, Real Betis. There's some very, very decent trips in there, aren't they, that get you excited. Obviously, on the other end of the spectrum, there's some sides that we probably wouldn't like to get. Maccabi, Hafia, obviously that would be behind closed doors. They're in, they're an Israeli team. I think they play in Eastern Europe somewhere, but we wouldn't be able to go to that one. Um, some slightly smaller uh, sides in there that have really small stadiums. I think you get an allocation of about 500. You're looking at Molde in Norway, Bodo Glimpse, which is in northern Norway. I think they've got a 12,000 capacity in their stadium. And I think they are completely other end of the spectrum. They are so far away from Oslo, which is the capital of Norway, obviously. So I think that will be a massive ball lake. But I think uh, we'll see what happens. But there's some decent ties in there and some decent away trips for sure, aren't there? Yeah, I think I think most of them are really good. We were just going through them. Yeah, we've got some... One, we've got, there's, a, there's a handful of ones which are a little bit more difficult to get to, like the Norway ones that look a bit of a nightmare. Um, and I've, I've, you've just mentioned the Israeli side, Maccabi Haifa. But um, equally, there's some absolutely brilliant ones there, though, and some really big sides as well, really. When you look at it, like, Ajax and mm. Dinamo Zagreb and Frankfurt, uh, the team from Hungary who I'm not going to try and pronounce. Um, and then there's uh, like Real Betis, Olympiakos. So yeah, some really, really top sides. There's some pedigree in there, isn't there? Yeah, and, and some of it's like historical pedigree as well. You look at like Slovan Bratislava, who that just reminds me of playing like Championship Manager 2001, 2002 for some reason. <laughs> it just feels like that sort of like older team it used to be in like the UEFA Cup constantly back back in the nineties. So yeah, some real pedigree, some real really good sides, and you know, I I mean Ajax have started to look strong. They haven't lost the game since sort of like end of October now, sort of thing. Ajax in 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 the league, and so yeah, even, I mean I mean that I mean that will be a tough a, a tough game, and obviously they've they've not had a great a great season Ajax, but obviously like I say, all of a sudden they're starting to play well, and Frankfurt a really good side and. Yeah, I, I don't think um, I don't think it will be easy whatsoever. Um, but yeah, some, for us from our perspective, there's some really really great trips all across Europe, really. And uh, yeah, I'm I'm absolutely buzzing for it. I can't wait. Yeah, Ferran Verosh, I think, is the team you were That's talking it. about there. They're based in, in Budapest in Hungary. So again, can you imagine the trip for that? That'll be absolutely amazing. I think Real Betis will be really good as well. I think you're getting into March, aren't you? So it's going to be hopefully a little bit nicer weather. I mean, we went to Bosnia in December and it was pretty warm, actually, to be fair. So I don't know, but we'll see what happens. I think the Norway ones would be ones that in an ideal world we could we could do with avoiding. Um, obviously, Villa are one of the eight teams that are automatically through, along with uh, Lille, Maccabi Tel Aviv, Victoria Pilsen. Club Bruges, Fiorentina, Pauk and Fenerbahce. So we can't draw any of them until the quarterfinals. Obviously, we're going to get drawn against uh, some of the sides that are in the playoffs. So it's just exciting, isn't it? I'm looking forward to, to getting going again in Europe because it feels like that Bosnia trip was a good while ago. And it felt like for a couple of months, it was like constant thinking about Europe. And that was exciting. That was really exciting. It was something different. And it's nice to to have the opportunity now to juggle the Premier League. We don't have to think about the FA Cup or the League Cup or anything like that. It's purely Conference League, Premier League. How do you juggle with it? And I can't wait for it to come back. Yeah, and and I think we did really well to juggle it before Christmas. I thought if you look at if you look at when we played on a Thursday and then played on a Sunday, our record was really, really good. We used to come off mm. playing in Europe on the Thursday. So usually winning on the Sunday or at least avoiding defeat on the Sunday. So I think we I think we juggled it really well. And I think it gives you 
sometimes a little bit of a nice distraction from how intense yeah. the Premier League is. Like the Premier League is really intense when when you're fighting out for something. Um, and I think the if we as fans feel that feel that, then the players and the manager and the coaches are definitely going to feel it as well. And so for me, it's a nice it's a nice kind of distraction as well. And yeah, I'm um, I'm I'm yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. And the thing is, it's like now you're in the round of sixteen. It's not that many games until you sort of you know really mm. really move a chance of winning it kind of thing. And uh, so yeah, it's uh, it gets to the serious part now, doesn't it? I mean, if you can get yourself through this first. Uh, you know, this round of sixteen game, you know, you're in the you're in the quarter final and then it really starts to open up then, doesn't it? And um you know, over two legs, I still maintain over two legs, Villa will fancy themselves against any team in this competition. It doesn't matter how tough they are. I still think I still think well you know, there's some good sides and I think Ajax will give us a good game and some of the other teams who are already seeded, the likes of Fiorentina, Fenerbahce, Club Bruges, I think they'll give Villa a really good game as well. But there's no side there that you think well, we'd definitely lose them over two legs, is there? I mm. think I think every single one of them we would give a decent game to. And so it's exciting. I think it's really exciting. And it's like I say, it's these ties that you want to be in. I, I do think sometimes you've got to take stock a little bit and remember that, okay, you know, we've had an incredible season. We have had an incredible season. And, um, you know, we, we it was not that long ago, a couple of months ago, when we were sort of top of the league, second, second in the league kind of thing. And everyone was really focusing on sort of Champions League. But you've got to remember that last season we we had a remarkable run just to get into Europe, just to finish seventh and get into the Conference mm-hmm. League. Um and without that run, we we you know, we wouldn't have had this these experiences kind of thing. And this is this is the kind of experience we we what we crave for so many years, wasn't it? Back to be back in Europe after yeah. after a long fifteen year period without it. And so I think Treasure it, savor it, really, and um, yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah, I, I, and I think you're right. I think maybe the experience is different for people who who do get the opportunity to to, to go around Europe like we do, compared to people watching it on TV. I do, I do get that, um, and I get also the point that if we did get to a final, you know, we we wouldn't be able to have that many fans there. What you're, look, you're looking between eight to ten thousand, which is hardly anything, is it? When we've got thirty thousand mm. seat holders, but. Look, it's still it's still silverware, and it's still European competition. You look at how West Ham won it last season, and and the journey that they went on, and and how how their fans absolutely love that, that 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 trip out to Prague last year, and it was you know it was incredible for a team like West Ham, and that's the sort of you know, we're still in that bracket. We are still in that bracket. We haven't become a Man City or an Arsenal or Liverpool this season just because we've been you know fighting for those top four spaces. We're still in that kind of best of the rest kind of sort of group and obviously we're trying to break that mold we're trying to get into that top three top four top five but we're not there yet and so I just think we've yeah we've got to take it seriously and I've obviously we will take it seriously but yeah it's I just think it's a really good opportunity for Villa yeah you mentioned about not as many Villa fans will be able to get to a final but even as the sort of spectacles at Villa Park people still talk about to this day that Ajax coming to, to Villa Park over a decade ago and imagine Olympiacos coming to Villa Park or some of, the, some of these big, big sides, Fenerbahce come to Villa Park. I think there's still an awful lot to look forward to, especially at home as well. We can't see it as a bird. And I remember, it's a good point actually you bring up about how people felt against Brighton last game of last season. There was people hugging each other around the stadium. So many emotions were flowing that game because Villa have been so crap for a long time and obviously football can change so fast. I just think it's, important to remember sort of where we were and I think I, I normally when I see it after a game people saying I oh, remember where we were three four years ago whatever whatever I normally hate that but I think when it comes to this sort of thing with Europe as well I think just remember how you felt on that game against Brighton last game of the season at Villa Park and how buzzing everybody was just take that into consideration if you are gonna 
for want of a better phrase, shit on the Conference League. Well, yeah, and that's what I always used to give a uh, stick to Martin O'Neill for when he was the Villa manager because it used to feel like, you know, we used to we used to qualify for Europe and then we used to then we used to just chuck Europe just to qualify for Europe again. And it felt like <laughs> you were in a, a, like a, this ridiculous cycle where it was like, well, what's the point in, in achieving this qualifying for yeah. Europe when you're just going to chuck it kind of thing? And that's what it felt like a little bit under O'Neill. It didn't feel like the emphasis was on it. I don't feel that like that's the case with Emery, though. I really don't. I think, look, Villa could well lose. Villa could well lose in the round of 16 or the quarterfinal, whatever. But I don't think it'll be... I don't think it'll be because we've thrown it, though. I don't. I think it'll be because we've just no. got beaten over the two legs by probably probably the better team over that two legs. I don't think it'll be because we've sent out a, a group of youngsters like like O'Neill did in you know in, in, in Moscow and a couple of the other games that we did. I, I I think it's totally different. You know, you might be looking at this competition thinking, oh well, you know, it, it, this isn't our this isn't our priority. We don't want to be in this. But we're not. We're not are we? We haven't been in Europe for fifteen years, so let's just take it when we've got it because, you know, you Football comes in cycles, doesn't it? And sometimes you, mm. you know, you, you might go another 10, 15 years without Europe and then you'd be absolutely craving to be in it. So, absolutely, we don't want to be seen as a burden. We want to be excited about it, which, uh, which, yeah, I think we are. And who knows? We could actually end up sort of helping ourselves out with the coefficient, couldn't we? Because obviously, we want all the English teams to do well. Because if we're going to be fighting in sort of that mini league against Tottenham and Man United for potentially getting in the top four or getting top five. If that fifth place gets Champions League and Villa win the Conference League and we're the ones that have sort of helped ourselves out, that's going to be massive as well, isn't it? Exactly. It helps us out on both fronts. Absolutely, it does. Um, I've, just got a, I've just got a feeling it will, it will help us out even in the Premier League as well. Though, like I say, because I know how mm-hmm. we were back in back in the first half of the season in terms of playing on a Thursday and then a Sunday. I, and I do, I think it gives you that bit of, I don't know, a bit of focus away from the Premier League where you can maybe try new things sometimes and a couple of the other players get some game time, etc. And I'd, I've got, um, yeah, I've got a feeling it might help us out a little bit. Um, yeah, like I say, take, take, take a little bit of the focus away from the intensity of the Premier League and, and yeah, let's, let's, let's go out there and try and try and have a little bit of fun and try and, and try and get through because, that's what football's all about, isn't it? Yeah, it gives players chance to put things right as well. For example, you look at someone like a Zaniolo who's, who is struggling for a bit of form, struggling for game time, gets that goal against uh, Mostar in Bosnia. And you never know if, if he does that against a Servette or Ludogorets in the, in the round of 16 or quarterfinal. You never know. It might spur him on in the Premier League to go on a decent bit of form again. Someone like a Diaby who, again, he's struggling for a bit of game time, can't get in the side over someone like a Tielemans or a Leon Bailey, for example. He could have an absolute stormer in, in the Conference League and you never know. And, and again, from a selfish point of view, it's the, it's the videos that I enjoy making the most, more than anything. Obviously, the point of Villa on tour is to make videos for fans who can't get to these games. And I think everybody loves to talk about how hard it is to get tickets. And that's domestically, let alone going to Europe and the scrap for tickets for wherever. I just think for Villa on tour, it is amazing to sort of bring the coverage of something that I've never experienced following Villa in Europe. And obviously for loads and loads of Villa fans who've grown up without Europe or of all that they've, they've ever known is Europe to bring them the sort of memories of following Villa across the continent. Honestly, I, I love it. And we love following Villa in Europe. It's it's my favourite thing ever. Yeah, it's, 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 this season has been an absolutely incredible experience. I've loved every single one of them. Um, all for different reasons probably but um, I've loved every single one of them and I, I think I said to you back in December that going to Mostar it was so like it was so conference league wasn't it it was such a, a random kind of place that we you never ever usually think of visiting and yet we absolutely loved it it was it was one of my favourite trips of kind of all time and, uh, and yeah there it was it was all because Villa finished seventh and um, 
and got into the Conference League. So, yeah, the more European experiences you get, I mean, travelling around, following following your club domestically is a, is a privilege, if you ask me, especially be how tough it is to get tickets these days. But following following your club around Europe or or anywhere mm. abroad is, is, is the next level, isn't it? And, uh, and yeah, no, I'll never take it for granted because I just think it's, um, it's yeah, it's, it's, it's really, really special. So whatever Euro competi- European competition you're in, absolutely yeah take it seriously go for it and savor the experiences yeah it's the pinnacle for us fans isn't it and it's nice to have a bit of conference league chat to sort of distract ourselves from the last couple of games but I think we'll have to get into it a little bit now typical Villa against Manchester United it felt like it was the best Villa performance I know you put it on Twitter that we've had in a good couple of weeks isn't it I think you take sort of Sheffield United in isolation a little bit but in terms of being on top creating chances looking fluid it was the best we've seen Villa in, in quite a while wasn't it yeah, I, I I think we did very little wrong, if I'm being honest. And I think not just the best performance in a couple of weeks, for me, the best performance in a couple of months, if I'm being honest with you. I think it was the best Villa performance since since we played Manchester City at Villa Park, if I'm, if I'm being totally honest. Like, yeah, you have to take the Sheffield United game a little bit um, out of that because you've got to think about the opposition we were playing and how poor they were on the day. Uh, probably, probably more so about how poor they were on the day rather than the opposition because um, I think, as I said, I think, as I said last week, every Premier League team's earned the right to be there, and I still don't. Well, they went to Luton and won, didn't they? And that's not an easy. That's not an easy thing to do. Exactly. So I don't want to sit here and say, "Oh, we were only only won that game because Sheffield United yeah. is such a poor team." But I just think they were poor on the day, though. I think more so than than them being an absolute terrible team. And so, yeah. So if you take that one out of it a little bit, um, I, I, I think I think the performance against Man United was was definitely the best one since that Manchester City home game early December. Um, I thought we did very, very little wrong, if I'm being honest. And I think, I mean, that's why I was so angry after the game, to be honest with you. And do you know what? I, I'm usually quite calm these days. I, I think after after Villa defeats. I mean, there was if I went back to like years ago, it used to really like bother me. I'd like a defeat, like ruin my weekend kind of thing. And mm. I think over the years, I've kind of uh, adapted where it's like, yeah, I'm a little bit annoyed, but then you get on with it kind of thing. But I was really, really annoyed uh, after the game on, on 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 Sunday. I came out of it thinking, like, how on earth have we lost that game? And um, and yeah, I just I just thought we were we, we were the better team. We were so much better than Man United. Um I felt like they had absolute zero tactical idea, tactical plan. Um and Matt, I just think Man United just rely on individual brilliance from certain players, to be honest with you. I don't think there's any I don't think there's any tactic tactical awareness about them I don't think there's anything that I don't think you watch Man United and you could you could clearly identify what style they play in I'm not really sure what it is um, and so to come out of it with a defeat was really really disappointing and obviously it was our own our own doing wasn't it it was missing a hat full of chances and uh, on another day you know, Villa win four or five two, and no one's even no one's even questioning that. They're saying, "Oh, Villa for Man United, and they thoroughly deserved it." So I think that's why that's why it annoyed me because uh, I thought the players' efforts didn't um, didn't result in the reward that they should have had, which was which was a win. So, and and that's the thing. You you you'd even have taken a point, wouldn't you, and said, "Oh, we should have won," but yeah. you take a point for the fact we got absolutely nothing out of it was was kind of uh, heartbreaking, really. Yeah, it's grim. And at the end of the game, I was just sort of stood there and thinking oh, it's just against them like isn't it? it's always against them like, like you can you sometimes in football you get games like this where you should have won you create well Villa had 23 shots 10 on target whatever whatever but it's just against them like isn't it? it's always against them and you're right they they were pretty nothing weren't they and you talked about individuals I think 
you look at it and they've got a decent decent number of individuals going forward. I'm a big fan of Garnacho. He's been very good in the in the two games against us. Rashford's for all that's going on with him. Again, he always poses a problem. And before the game, I was worried about him versus Matty Cash. That was a sort of one-on-one battle that I was a little bit nervous about. Bruno Fernandes, as much as everybody hates him, he can pull very, very decent things out of his locker. And obviously, Villa have played Rasmus Hoyland into a bit of form. He got his first goal in the Premier League against us. And he's been on a decent bit of form since then. On the Villa side of things, though, we were a, a little bit annoyed before the game because it looked like Pau Torres was going to get a start, wasn't it? He was warming up at halftime against Chelsea and obviously they get a, a third pretty quickly. So it was pretty stupid to bring him on then and we didn't, which I think was sensible. But you're a little bit annoyed that he doesn't feature in this one because it is our biggest game of the season. You do worry about Clement Longley and Diego Carlos together because there is a lack of pace in that defence with Cash and Moreno, who again, doesn't really look fit himself. It felt like if, if he was fit enough to be on the bench three or four days before that against Chelsea, you would have thrown him on against Man United. But what do we know? Yeah, I think I think I've just I think I've just been frustrated with it because it was such a you know, it was such an innocuous sort of simple injury that Torres picked up and he's been out for such a long time and it feels like we kind of keep saying, Oh, you know, we'll wait till next week and we'll then we'll wait till next week again and by the time you've done that you've got rid of another two or three games, haven't you? You know, and you've lost the you've lost the games. It's a bit like you know, we need to start winning football matches again. You know, you need to get your mm. best players on the pitch. And I, I know it's not that simple. I know that if he was 100% fit, of course, Emery would be yeah. playing him. I understand that. Uh, but from a fan's perspective, it is frustrating when you see a player on the bench and he's our best player and he's not, you know, he's not even getting a, a kick kind of thing. And yeah, I, I do. I, I have found that really, really frustrating, if I'm being honest. And I think and I think that sort of compelled it by the fact that we've obviously got Conzer out at the moment as well. You know, we're playing yeah. our fourth and fifth choice centre-halves, essentially, when you've got Mings, Torres and Conzer out. You're playing your fourth and fifth choice centre-halves, which I'm not sure many teams in the Premier League are doing that at the moment. And, and we've done okay. We've done okay with it. And oh, I'm not sitting here. I don't want to call people out. I think Clement Longley has done admirably. I think he's done okay, to be honest with you. He's not, he's not para-Torres and he's never going to be para-Torres, but I think for what he was brought in to do. I think he's done a job. Mm. A little bit more worried about Carlos, if I'm being honest with you. I don't, I'm still not, I'm still not, not convinced by him. I think he'd, he'd been better recently in terms of when he was alongside Konza and Longley alongside him and he was in that yeah. three. I thought, he, I thought he'd been a lot better. Um, I've got serious, serious concerns about him in a two, especially when he hasn't got Torres alongside him, I think. I, I'm not sure him, his, his and Longley's partnership is... Is, is working. I don't think it's worked at all. Um, and so, yeah, it, frustrating when you see like a player of Paratorres' quality on the bench. Frustrating. We need our best players to help us win football matches. And so, I'm desperately hoping he starts on Saturday. Yeah, I, th- I think I think it'll be nice to see those two start again. Luca Dean, I don't think it can be... Everybody's talked about Paul Torres, but I don't think it's to be underestimated how big that he's back as well. I, I'm not convinced that Alex Moreno is fit. I think especially in that Chelsea Cup game, he just, he looked, we, we said it, didn't we? He looked knackered after about 20, 25 minutes. And it's probably fair enough. The guy's been out for a long time. And it's just annoying that sort of as soon as he comes back, Luca Dean's out for, he went off um, against Man United, didn't he? Against uh, on Boxing Day. So again, that's been, what, a month and a half. So that's a really, really frustrating one. You're just hoping now that, yeah, Paul Torres can start on, on Saturday. That'd be massive. But in the game itself, I actually think, we probably contained Man United pretty well. I don't think they created a lot. Again, that's probably more down to them than it is us being good defensively. I think they had a chance in the first half where Longley has that sort of lapse in concentration that he tends to have maybe once a game where I can't remember who nicks in. It might have been Hoyland and Diego Carlos, to be fair, makes a decent block. What Just jumping forward, 
as are on the case of the defenders. What was the like the winner as well? I was annoyed. Obviously, I'm a long way away with Carlos. The ball comes in. It's a good ball in, but it's in a it's in an area where you want your big commanding centre halves to be there, heading balls away, getting in there, bullying their strikers. But it just goes over Carlos's head, and it co- looks like he's running in treacle at times, and he's not really aware of his surroundings. That was a really really disappointing goal to concede at the end. Yeah, I think the, it was a disappointing goal. I think it was defensively poor. All round that goal, really. I think if you take it back from the very beginning, from where the cross came in, there wasn't enough done to stop the cross coming in, first of all. Mm. If you look at it, there was Moreno and Douglas Louise at that point. There wasn't enough done to stop the cross. And then, obviously, the cross comes in and Longley's position's not great. If you see him, he's, he's moved far too too much over towards that left-hand side. Carlos is then trying to fill that void that Longley's Cover left. Yeah. And then Matty Cash, obviously, he's left then trying to mark McTominay and Garnacho at the back post. And... Um, and, and, you know, he gets caught between, doesn't he, essentially? And then he looks at McTominay. He's got the run on him. Um, I found a little bit sorry for Cash in that move. I don't think he did a lot wrong on that one, to be honest. I think he was... I don't I don't think he could have done a lot more. I think it was more to do with the positioning of Longley and Carlos. But I think maybe that's what comes with playing, you know, you're sort, a sort of back four who has maybe never played together before or very rarely played together before. You know, you look at... You look at we've got Cash who hasn't been our number one right back for the last two seasons, you could say, really. You've got Moreno who hasn't been our first choice left back this season. And then you've got Longley and Carlos who, like I say, who are theoretically our fourth and fifth choice centre halves. And so that back line, you know, it's it's not set up for a defensive solidity, really, is it? We all know that. There's not going to be much cohesion between them because they haven't hardly ever played together uh, with each other together. Yeah, such a just a dis- disappointing way to lose the game. Let's talk about a positive from the game then in terms of Jacob Ramsey. It was nice to see him look back to his best. And he's he normally has a good game against Man United. I remember he was very good when we beat them, um, obviously, in Emery's first game. I thought he was very good in this one. He looked quick, didn't he? He looked sharp. And there were sort of, you could see that in the Chelsea game. There were sort of signs of it, but the game was basically gone at that point. So I think it was hard to take it away. But I think he was very good in this one. He looked fast and he was, we talked about it in the last couple of weeks about how Moreno looks isolated on that left-hand side. I think he was linking up with him very well. I think it was the Watkins chance, wasn't it? Where I think it's Moreno to Ramsey to McGinn and it's a great ball through. And I think Watkins just waits that little bit too long. But I think, again, Ramsey looked very, very good. And that's that's come at the perfect time because we'll talk about in a little bit what Kamara's injury means. Obviously, he's going to be out for a very, very long time. But I think it's perfect timing having JJ come back and look like he's back sharp and back to his best. Yeah, he looked good, JJ. He looked really good. And um, and that's a, a welcome boost for Villa because he'll be important now uh, between now and the end of the season. I think that goes under the radar a little bit in terms of how good we were down that left-hand side in the second half of last season with Moreno and Ramsey. And I think when we talk about Moreno struggling against Chelsea on uh, last Wednesday night, and I think that's primarily because of he hasn't had that link in front, front of him that he's used to. And like I say, him and Ramsey built up such a good partnership last season. Um, and to have to have them both out for large periods of this season, that that hasn't helped. Even we've had to adapt and play very differently because we haven't had that option as well. And so to see them two link up again was 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 good. And I thought, to be fair, I thought Moreno had a, had a good game. I thought he had a good game the other night. Not a great night against Chelsea, but then he followed up with a, with a good performance. I thought. But yeah, Ramsey was sort of he was on it, wasn't he? He looked sharp. He looked quick. He was. You know, t- taking the ball and sort of driving on, dribbling as 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 he can do. Um, still, probably a little bit rusty. I think in the final third, he had a few chances to shoot, and well, he did shoot a couple of times. And there was that one when Bailey 
did absolutely brilliantly and he played it through to Ramsey and he just tried to get a toe to it, didn't he? And he sort of toe-poked it away. And so I think there's a little bit of sharpness still to come in his game. Um, but it was the most positive Jacob Ramsey performance probably of, of the season, to be fair. And so, yeah, that's a big boost for Villa. I think it, it really helps for us to have that sort of natural player over on that left-hand side. Um, I think I was talking before the game that I don't like when John McGinn's over on that side. I think it takes yeah. a lot away from his game. Um, and I don't think we look very well balanced. I think that then affects what's happening on the right-hand side um, in terms of covering Matty Cash and helping him out. I think Cash had a better game, and I think that showed because we. The, I think just think the team was a little bit more solid in general because of having Ramsey on that left-hand side and John McGinn back over, kind of. Well, he was in that second striker role a little bit, but he was helping out on that right-hand side as well. So, yeah, um, yeah, a big, a big positive is to have Ramsey sort of back fit and sort of looking sharp again. Yeah, definitely. And we've talked about their their winning goal, which wasn't a great look defensively. Their first goal, which comes from the free kick where Rashford dived, that was absolutely ridiculous. The ref is in a really 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 good position and I saw that dive from row 24 of the upper halt so how the referee has missed that is is quite frankly bizarre but then you've got the ball coming in where Casemiro is challenging for it and he's offside Martinez is complaining at the linesman because he felt the ball hasn't gone out I think the ball probably had gone out it looked like I've seen a steal from sort of sideways and it looked like it was it gone out but then the, the Casemiro offside is a frustrating one because did you see Dermot Gallagher versus uh, Stephen Warnock on Sky Sports when they were discussing this one? And again, you go back to the point of what the players, the former players saying in Stephen Warnock, where he's saying, yeah, that should have been given offside because Casemiro is 100% having an impact on, I think it's Carlos, Kamara, Longley, a combination of them who are going for the ball. And then Gallagher saying, well, he hasn't touched it. Yeah, but he's obviously having an impact on the game. So that should have been given offside. A frustrating one to concede. Obviously, again, it goes out before that. So you can't blame the goal on that. It's poor defending from the corner itself. Just an annoying one all round. Yeah, and it's one of those it's one of those rules, isn't it? Are you interfering with play? Which I don't. Again, I don't like that rule. I think I've said to you before in the past when, um, you know, sometimes when the ball comes, you know, it comes back through to the keeper, and then the striker sort of walking back, but he's kind of in the way. I always mm. say, well, he's interfering there though. Like, surely he's he's 100%. changing the way you're playing. You know, so he clearly is interfering, even though he's not actively going for the ball at that point he's still interfering so I th- yeah I think that rules again it's, it's just very woolly isn't it and uh, and I'm not sure I totally agree with it but yeah it just sums it up didn't it it was a free kick which wasn't it was okay the, the ball I, I didn't see whether it had gone out or not but whether the ball had gone out or not whatever but then yeah, and then it's uh, then you're talking about Casemiro was probably offside as well. So, yeah, it's one of them. It's it's one of them really frustrating ones. But again, defensively probably not brilliant. We haven't been brilliant on defending set pieces recently. I mean, the ball comes in and yeah, Maguire gets the jump over Kamara, um, and then I think Carlos was the second one attempting it. It's not down, and then it's just a simple finish for Hoyland through the legs of Martinez. And even that was a little bit for, for, fortuitous, wasn't it? Um, but that just that just summed up our day really, and. Uh, and yeah, I think at that point, at one nil down, you you're thinking, oh god, it's a, you know we've conceded again after fifteen minutes, and this is going to be a long uh, a long evening kind of thing. But I was pleased with how we we responded because I think it would have been very easy for us to our heads to go down and sort of go two nil down very quickly and um, and game to be over. But we were positive in our response and. Um, and I think you saw that kind of at half time. You know, there was applause all around Villa Park for the players going yeah. off the field, which I think summed it up. I think they they put a lot of effort in, put a lot of effort into both halves. But um, 
yeah, I was pleased with how they responded, definitely. Yeah, the, the the reaction was really, really good. Obviously, you're talking about the Bailey chance, McGinn chance. That Watkins chance is probably the biggest one. Again, it's unca- uncharacteristically like him, isn't it? He just waits that little bit too long. Ollie Watkins, Ramsey had a chance as well. There was applause at halftime, and everybody before the game was saying, look, we've gone 1-0 down in a lot of games this season, but I think the atmosphere was actually very good on Sunday. Obviously, we were 1-0 down for the majority of the game, but the atmosphere was very, very good. And I think Villa, you can't complain with the performance. That's what so frustrating on the whole to sum up the game it is that frustration that we haven't come away with anything and we have played so so well I think in terms of the atmosphere though you can't complain with that everybody loves to talk about that and how we can help the players Watkins basically did a call out didn't he before the game in his interview with Villa saying we need the fans I think we did our part and the players did their part I think it was just just one of them days them classic days against Manchester United at Villa Park yeah it was and I, and I think in terms of that in terms of atmosphere I always say the players and the fans go hand in hand to create an atmosphere and I think yes it's on the fans to to get behind the team but I think if the players are giving you something on the pitch as well in terms of a, there's, a, there's an early tackle or there's an early chance or something like that mm. it helps out that atmosphere and that's uh, and that's exactly what happened you know it goes hand in hand I, I think people were looking at the atmosphere against Chelsea on Wednesday night but being 2-0 down after only what 20 minutes it's not exactly going to get people roaring is it um, in an FA Cup fourth round replay it's not is it you know just being realistic about it it's not um, and so yeah it, the, atmosphere, the atmosphere was good um, and yeah it was a it was a good performance and that's that's kind of what I'm trying to take away from it in that you know this maybe putting maybe putting it down to a this is a typical thing that happens to us when we play Manchester United and I don't know if we're ever going to get out of that if I'm being honest with you I think and I think sometimes we have to just accept it but at least we weren't well at least it wasn't a really poor performance I feel like I I feel a lot more positive heading into the final few weeks of the season because I saw that performance you know we've been talking about how we've been not quite on it for the last couple of months or so but I feel like that performance against Man United kind of showed that we can bring it back when we want to and um that performance definitely deserved more than a defeat. It definitely deserved a point, if not the three points, without a doubt. Um, so, yeah, disappointing, but I think there were positives you can take from it. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, you play like that in our upcoming fixtures, Fulham away, Forest at home, Luton away. They're not going to be easy, but you play like that and you do have hope that you create that many chances. And it's sort of dissimilar to how we were at the start of the season where we weren't potentially creating loads but we were just clinical weren't we we were taking our chances and it probably was a little bit unsustainable. We were probably always going to have a spell like this in the season, but it does give you encouragement that, like you said, it probably is our best performance, apart from Sheffield United, that we have had in a couple of months. It's just frustrating that, like you said earlier, a point wouldn't have been the end of the world because you look at the table now, Villa obviously still in fifth. Manchester United still just, well, I say just behind us, five points. They, it could have been 11 if we'd won the game. Even a point, it would have been a lot more. So it is frustrating. It's sort of, looking at the table now, feels like you've sort of got three mini leagues. I think... Liverpool, Man City and Arsenal are not run away, but they are probably going to be your top three. They're all in pretty decent form at the moment. And then you've got Tottenham, Villa and Man United where I probably think you're going to have those guys fighting for fourth place. And then below Man United, Newcastle doing okay at the moment, but but longevity, do I worry about them? Probably not. They're still 10 points behind us. And then West Ham, Brighton and Chelsea, I wouldn't really worry about them too much. Chelsea doing okay, but it's a little bit too late. Uh, to, to actually challenge us. I think, do you see it like that, the three mini leagues? And is it Man United and, and Tottenham that we've got to worry about now? I think so. Yeah, I think so. I saw I saw a couple of comments from Villa fans who are obviously very disappointed we lost the game and saying, you know, we'll we'll do well to we'll do well to still finish in the top seven or top eight. And 
I said, well, if you look at how many fixtures are left, it would literally take worse than kind of relegation form for us to drop out of the top sort of six or seven. So let's not, you know, let's not go too mad about it. You know, I don't think we're going to do that. Um, yeah, I would see it as a, as a mini kind of league. I think we've got, we have got tough games, to be honest. And I think that's the only thing that does worry me. Obviously, we've still got Liverpool and Spurs to play at Villa Park. And we've got City and Arsenal to play away from home, which is mm. particularly difficult. Um, but then the other teams have got tough games as well. Spurs are a bit of a funny one, aren't they? They, they play this sort of high-risk attacking football but they give up so many chances I mean the game on Saturday against Brighton was unbelievable the amount of the amount of chances that that that, that they had was was absolutely crazy and then Spurs obviously go on go on and win it in the in the 96th minute which is kind of what Spurs do don't they they yeah. they that they, they they grab something very late on or they or they get let goals in because they give up a lot of chances as well so it's how Spurs play which which I'm sure is very exciting to watch uh, but I, you can't I don't think you can call on Spurs to be really really consistent just because of how they play um, Man United, obviously, they have turned the tide around in terms of results. They've been a lot better in terms of results, I suppose. I still don't see them though. I still, I still look at, I still look at it, and I think, yes, okay, they've got they've got momentum behind them at the moment. But as I say to you, there's no patterns of play. There's no genuine, massive quality about them. It's like it's just sort of reminds me when Gerard was in charge. It was a bit like give the ball to your best player and just let hope he does something <laughs> kind of thing. That's what I sort of see with Man U. I don't. I don't, and I know. I just think they're one. They're one result away from a crisis again, and that's how it always yeah, is at yeah, Manchester yeah. United. And um, like I say, on another day they would have got battered on, on on Sunday. I think you'd probably say Spurs will be your favourites at the moment, probably. And I think if you look on paper, I, I, I've always maintained that I think Villa have got a better squad overall than Spurs. I think if everyone was fit, uh, I think Spurs have potentially got a couple of. Players who are who are in you know individually better, the likes of Madison, uh, Son. Obviously, they bought Timo Werner in, who who will no doubt be a good addition, and they spent a lot of money on the likes of Brennan Johnson and uh, that Van der Ven at the back. They bought another centre half back in January as well. So, I think um, I think they've got some very very good players, but I think I still maintain that I think Villa have got the overall better squad though as a whole. But yeah, I can't call it. I think we'll have to just wait and see where it ends up. Um, I think the next three games probably. Well, the next four games really probably tell a lot about what Villa are going to be doing. Um, yeah, the next four are really, really important. You say Tottenham are favourites, and I'll probably go along with that. I think Villa would be more fa- more favourite if they had a better, well, I say better squad, a fuller squad, because it's not looking great. Obviously, I got to work yesterday and saw that Kamara, there was rumours going on with Kamara done his ACL, and obviously that was confirmed by Monday evening, and that's just a massive blow, isn't it? So, I have three really long term injuries in one season Mings, Buendia, and Kamara is seriously, seriously bad luck. But it's not like you've you sort of skirted around it and you've been okay apart from those major injuries. You've had Ramsey, Moreno, Torres has obviously been out for a while, Dean, Tielemans, Konza as well. That's nine near enough first team players. Obviously, you've got Buendir, who you could argue as a first team player, and obviously the two left backs as well. But it's just seriously, seriously terrible luck, isn't it? And no doubt it won't get the coverage like Spurs have had this season with their injuries or Newcastle, where you'd it sounds like they've got 20 players out injured. It's just seriously bad looking, isn't it? And with Villa's best season in, in years and years and years, to have that sort of look, it's just typical, isn't it? Yeah, and I think um, I think, I think think there's a couple of things for me. I think every team has injuries and, and other teams have suffered this season. Newcastle have suffered quite a lot this season. So have Spurs at one point as well. But um, I think more so for me, it's the fact that They've been long-term injuries as well, though. Like you look at the likes of, you know, we didn't we we didn't start we didn't have Ramsey or Moreno available to us until sort of November, 
Mings and Mings and Buendia were basically injured before we even kicked a ball, and those were two of our most important players last season. You know, for ACLs the, for the whole season, and then later on in the season you get a third ACL. I mean, it's kind of unheard of, isn't it? You know, I've never known a team to have that many ACL injuries within within one season and then it's the circumstances around it as well isn't it it's like we, we were also bedding Carlos back in who's, he was out for an awful well out for the whole of last season with his Achilles injury um, and then I think it's the like I think it's because Villa utilise the squad probably more than other uh, other teams you know we felt it in terms of you know you've lost Tiedemans you've lost uh, Moreno you've lost Luca Dean and even like John Duran for instance has been injured when Troy Oro was here he was just out for the whole time um, I think I don't think there's ever been one match day where, okay, taking Mings and Brendy out the out the equation, I suppose. I still don't think there's been one match day where we've had everybody available. Um, yeah. And I think losing, like I say, losing the likes of Torres as well. That's been absolutely huge. I think Torres has been a massive miss. I can imagine the manager's tearing his hair out. He hasn't he hasn't said that publicly because he doesn't want to make excuses, obviously. But I can imagine he's tearing his hair out because every single every single every single route this season we've taken, there's been a kind of different route. That, that that we should have taken, like he was like I say, he was expecting to start the season with Mings and Brendier in his starting eleven, and those plans were ripped up immediately. You know, as soon as the season got going, and he's had to adapt so many times this season. Emery as the manager, there's an opportunity for for, for like Tim Irogbenham, for instance. I think yeah. I think he could potentially see some minutes at somewhere. I don't think he could be trusted to play every game, and I wouldn't I wouldn't expect that. Um, I'd expect probably McGinn to sort of fill in back at back in a defensive two and Tielemans to maybe play further forward. But I think we'll need all of them. And I, and you're even looking at the likes of like a, a Callum Chambers who might get some minutes somewhere as well. Oh, don't. But, <laughs> but we're going to need to utilise our squad though, you know. And, yeah. and, you know, in games where we might need to be a little bit more hard to beat and we might need a bit of a stopper as a number six, you know, I wouldn't be surprised mm. to see Chambers there. I mean, do you remember when he... He did that when he came on against when you know remember when Kamara got injured against Palace. Uh, yeah, Palace. He did yeah, it then, yeah. didn't he? Chambers did, and so I wouldn't be massively surprised to see uh, a whole host of different things. Like uh, what I don't see happening is John McGinn being defensive midfielder and then him being there for the whole season and never ever getting forward mm-hmm. again because I think there's going to be different there's going to be different times in different games where you're going to need John McGinn in an attacking in an attacking role, and that's where maybe the likes of Rogue and Callum Chambers comes into it. I mean, I saw what the Athletic said. The Athletic said that the, the initial reports reckon he, you know, he'll, he's looking at a recovery time of sort of five to six months, which would actually be a really quick one, to be honest with you. I mean, if that is the case, you'd be looking at sort of early into next season, maybe after the international break in sort of September time, you'd be looking at Kamara being back, which would be kind of a big boost. I mean, the last thing we, the last thing we want is him to be out until next sort of January, really, isn't it? I mean, that would be absolutely dever. I saw, uh, I saw one report that mentioned eighteen months. I mean, you might as well just write him off completely. That would be absolutely ridiculous. I mean, uh, that's news to me actually. The five or six month thing. So that that would be a boost. Well, the eighteen no, the eighteen month thing though came from a doctor on Twitter. He was basically saying that okay. he was basically <laughs> yeah. saying that usually the usual healing time for an ACL is about not a nine nine to 12 month period but he was saying that for players to get back to full um for right. full ability he's like 18 months but the the athletic were reporting yesterday that um that the the initial prognosis looks like it will be like a five to six month period which is like i say very very short for an acl but you've got to remember as well that kamara's got that i think he's got that durability a little bit with him though remember he had that injury towards the back end of Gerard's reign and all of a sudden he, yeah. he was back very quickly if you remember we've got to think we've got to start stop thinking you know this is season over and we've got to just get our heads down and start winning some football matches and getting a little bit of confidence back around the place because it's not over it's 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 not over just because Kamara's got injured 
hopefully we'll welcome Conza back in a, in a, in a few weeks. And, uh, and like I say, Torres and Dean will be coming back into the team. Hope things will look a little bit more positive. Yeah, you get those guys back in the team, and ultimately you need you need your fringe players to sort of step up, don't you? I mean, you get sort of Konza back in, maybe at right back if you start Carlos, obviously Dean as well, and you've got the likes of Cash, Diaby, Rogers, Zaniolo, Moreno on the bench. So you've still got options there. You just need those guys to sort of step up. I think maybe for Rogers, it's it's maybe expecting a little bit too much for him coming in, but even for your likes of Zaniolo, for example, give him a little bit more game time. And potentially trust him and just hope he actually gets some momentum going and again we talked about the conference league earlier maybe that's an opportunity to do that um but especially with this rotten injury look you're going to need those sort of players to step up but um next few fixtures then we've got Fulham to look forward to at the weekend I always always enjoy going there despite the fact that we never really seem to do very well down there do we I mean I've been there plenty of times in the championship and of course in the Premier Leagues obviously where Gerard got sacked not great records there, so hopefully that can be something we can change as well. And there's a it's, it's a referee called Lewis Smith's uh, first game in the Premier League. I think he's refereed um, games across the EFL this season. It's his first Premier League game. Um, a lot of people are against that, to be honest. I don't mind because can he be much worse? Probably not. Well, no, he can't be much worse than some of the some of the ones we've seen. Some of the ones we've seen recently. So yeah, I mean, you've got to get new referees from somewhere. So. Yeah, throw him in, throw him into it. I'm not, not bothered at all by that, to be honest. How do you see these games going then? I think Fulham, Forest and Luton and Spurs, those are the next four, they are absolutely massive, aren't they? And I think that's your chance to sort of, those three before Spurs, seven points, you go into Tottenham game, go into that Tottenham game at Villa Park. And again, you win that. And who knows, like people saying season over, whatever, whatever, we could potentially be sort of back in that top four like solidly if we if we have a decent run there so it's a good opportunity now for Villa despite all the injury worries and the slump that we've been on it's a good opportunity and you've got to see it in a positive way like that I think yeah I think I think the next four games are absolutely vital um uh, yeah they they are going to be because obviously the tougher games come after that the likes of Liverpool and uh, Man City and Arsenal so these next three before Spurs are really important um and I think you're right I think we need to be looking at taking a minimum of seven points from the nine uh, on offer um, and then obviously Spurs then roll into town um, which is an absolutely huge game at Villa Park and yeah that won't be one for the faint-hearted I can just imagine now Spurs are going to absolutely come and attack aren't they and uh, <laughs> let's just hope let's just hope we do have Torres and Lickardine back in the team by that yes. point because that kind of worries me if not but I can see that game being really high scoring to be honest with you just how we both play yeah that that will be a some some occasion at Villa Park but yeah, we've got to do our job in these three games before Spurs because the it won't be a big game if we if we rock up in town and Spurs have got like a, a decent point sort of um, you yeah. know a points tally over us. It won't it, it it won't be a big game, and so we've got to do our job. I think the game on Saturday against Fulham, the two way games are tough. I think I, I but I say that about every game. I think every single game is tough, especially when you go away from home. We've got a dreadful record at Fulham. Uh, I've never ever seen us win at Fulham, um, which doesn't bode well. I've been well, probably. Did you, yeah, you went to that cup game, didn't you? Where uh, Codger scored? Did we win that? No, we lost that two one. Oh, for God's sake! Oh, I just remember Codger. I just remember Codger dancing in front of that way, and that's the only thing I remember from that game. I've never seen us win at Fulham. Um, <laughs> we've drawn a couple of times. We drew when uh, Alex McLeish's first game, and we. We drew. Oh, we drew God. maybe once under Martin O'Neill when I went there, but we've never, we've never won when I've been to Fulham. So it's not a happy hunting ground for Villa. Not a happy hunting ground for me either. So um, let's hope we can, you know, do something a little bit different there on Saturday. But a tough game because they're on the day they're they're a good side. I mean, they went long ago. They beat Arsenal at Craven Cottage, so they are a, yeah, yeah. they're not a bad side. Fulham. We've had an incredible season, and I think people need to remember that. 
Um, whatever happens, we've had a really, really strong season. And uh, I don't think the players are going to roll over and give up that easily, if I'm being honest. No, I don't think so. And I think ultimately you want to be going into that Tottenham game with something riding on it. Like you said, if we're five points behind them then, it's sort of, I don't know, it doesn't feel as big. But if you're going in sort of level with Tottenham or you're a couple of points ahead, hopefully you've got the momentum then from the previous three games. It's a bit like the Man City game at home, wasn't it? I think we were behind them at the start of that game and then you beat them and you go ahead of them. That's the sort of situation you want going into that Tottenham game. And like you said, on paper, you have got the opportunity with those three games prior, haven't you? You have, you have. And you're, um, and, and, and you're right. You don't want to be massively... You know, you don't want to be massively behind Tottenham because, like I say, that 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 game then doesn't become that significant. Um, I suppose the only I suppose the only good thing is when you look at Spurs' fixtures before we play them, though, um, they've actually only got two because the, their Chelsea game is postponed because Chelsea are obviously in the League Cup final. Um, so they've got Wolves coming up at home. Um, and Wolves are a bit of a funny team, aren't they? You don't know what team they're gonna they're gonna turn up with either. And then they've they're, they're the second one they've got Crystal Palace at home. So you're thinking they might take some points from that to be fair, Spurs. So it makes uh, it makes our games even more important. But I think for the fact that their third game, that well it was it would have been the one in the middle, the Chelsea game, obviously is not going ahead because Chelsea are in the League Cup final. That might be to Villa's advantage a little bit. Um, so if we could get into that game against Spurs ahead of them or in and around them, then it will make that game a really, really big game, yeah. Yeah, something else to add into the mix that three days before that Tottenham game is Villa's first Conference League back away from home. So that, that'll that be interesting. Hopefully we'll be on a decent bit of momentum there. And it's, like you said, it's nice to have games thick and fast. Obviously, Emery likes that. He's used to playing in Europe and hopefully we can go on a good run into that Tottenham game. But uh, we'll cross that bridge when we come to it. Thank you very much for tuning into this podcast. It is very much appreciated. Like I said, at the top of the show please do leave a review that is always very much appreciated and do subscribe on whatever podcast platform you are listening on so you never miss an episode going forward please do subscribe to villa on tour on youtube plenty of videos to go and watch over there hopefully i'll be bringing you some uh, winning uh, vlogs hopefully going forward because it's been a bit stale recently anyway thank you very much for listening we'll speak to you after that fulham game up the villa 